Welcome back to Previously on Lost. This is episode number 35, and a hunting we will go, a hunting we will go. That's right, we're going to talk about the episode, The Hunting Party, and uh, we're looking forward to this one. This is the one episode, this is kind of like the setup episode. I don't want to say till the, t- for the next one, but the next one gets pretty intense, I'm not going to lie. This is like Walkabout uh, Part 2. Walkabout here. <laughs> right. This is this is like the ultimate Jack and Locke um, camping trip. This is great. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's been uh, it's been good to have you guys, and hope you guys are still staying safe. And um, but uh, let's go ahead and get started. Then, so I have some awesome hosts with me. I am Mike, and I have with me uh, Corey. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. Yes, that was that was me that already decided to chime in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, not much. <laughs> uh, just. Uh, trying to stay cool, uh, trying to stay away from the smoke. Um, as I was telling them before we started recording here, this is, uh, uh, fall in Southern California. So it's, uh, 95 degrees, uh, here today. So it's lovely, lovely, <laughs> lovely, lovely. So in, in, I don't think people really understand though either that like like when we record these episodes on how backdated they are when they come out. So like. I'll just give you guys an insight and scoop behind this. This is September 29th right now. We're recording this. So (laughs) by the time you guys actually get this podcast, it's going to be like (laughs) – I think it's going to be like November 5th. So it's going to be after the election, I believe, the Thursday after the election. It'll still probably be 95 degrees here. (laughs) It'll still be 95 degrees. Oh, my goodness. And I have also another great host with me. I have Steven. How's it going, bud? Oh, it's going all right. I mean, I know you told me not to come on the podcast tonight, but I decided I'm going to anyway. It it doesn't really matter what you say. I'm just I'm going to go ahead and be on here. (laughs) <laughs> nothing can go wrong. I can't see any way it could go wrong. I oh crap! He <laughs> said nothing <laughs> can go wrong. It usually means something's gonna go wrong here a little bit. Oh, cross uh, the as, line. <laughs> he's gonna cross Don't that line. Never forever. cross the line. Never cross the. Line. Oh, good old Zeke. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about Zeke and everybody else here. Um, in just a second, but uh, check all of our shows out, guys, out on um, Retro's app. You know what? Let's do it at the beginning. Let's get it over with here at the beginning. Let's do all of our like ending stuff now before we dig in. So you can find me on Twitter at the DC Mike. You can find Corey on Twitter. Where, man? Oh, uh, you can find me at Original Mav. And you can find Steven Where, man? I am at Lucky Thirteen Steve. All right, you can find us on Twitter at RetroZapped, the main network at Lost Rewatch Pod. Um, you can find us on Instagram, Previously on Lost Podcast, and also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Previously on Lost. And thank you, by the way, for everybody who's been joining lately and giving us a follow. Man, we've had a lot of follows come in lately, and uh, we sure do appreciate it. And uh, keep spreading the word about us. And, uh, you know, we're no, we, we know we're not as good as those guys. 
y'all don't know who I'm talking about, but those guys. Uh, but you know, we we are better than those guys in some areas because <laughs> you know. Check out the Instagram for sure. Yes, I'm just that's right. <laughs> so uh, check it all out, guys, and uh, and we'd love to have you uh, join us on the social media interwebs. So. With all of that being said, we are going to go ahead and dig on into our podcast tonight. So we are 51 out of 52 – not 51 out of 52, but we are about 51 to 52 days on the island because we're kind of in a nighttime scenario here. And uh, But, Stephen, tell us what happened I'm on Lost. All right. Previously on Lost, the raft is ambushed by the others, and Walt is abducted. Michael begins communicating with Walt over the hatch computer. Gravely ill, Sawyer asks after Kate, saying he loves her. Sometime later, Kate kisses Jack in the jungle and runs off, leaving Jack confused. Jack's like, what the crap? He he didn't seem too confused earlier. (laughs) When he kissed Gabrielle. Oh! One of the strangest kisses on network TV. (laughs) That's right. To kiss uh, and run. All right, uh, kiss. <laughs> don't, 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 don't kiss and tell. Which we saw what that did for him. Uh, season two, episode eleven, guys. This one came out January eighteenth, two thousand six. Uh, it was directed by Stephen Williams, uh, written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Christina M. Kim. Uh, Jack faces tension as he wakes up to find a gun-toting Michael, who leaves to find Walt. Again, with the help of Locke and Sawyer, Jack heads out to bring Michael back before the others kill him. And adding a little bit on to the summary, Jack makes a costly decision when performing a surgery. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, I have some episode factoids here. Uh, Harold Perinau, uh, Perinau doesn't appear in the next, I always struggle with that name, uh, doesn't appear in the next eight episodes. I didn't realize it was that many. Uh, yeah. And then uh, Tom, a.k.a. Mr. Friendly, uh, also tells, uh, he tells Jack, uh, somebody a whole lot smarter than anyone here once said, since the dawn of time, our species, man, has been blessed with curiosity. This is the first half of a quote from the one and only Alvar Hanso in his 1967 address to the United Nations Security Council, um, as shown on the Hanso Foundation website. That is a cool fact. I didn't know that. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, finally, Hurley finds a record from the one and only Geronimo Jackson. And the producers claim that uh, it is indeed a very, uh, a, a real, very obscure band from the 70s. So, yeah, I think we're going to get some uh, some Geronimo Jackson records uh, delivered soon. <laughs> Please, we need to. We just need to play them just for just for everybody to listen to Geronimo Jackson. Uh, but uh, let's we talk about the episodes. Look at some episode moments. Um, let, let's just let's just start it off. Let's go ahead and dig into. Let's kind of separate this story of what's going to happen. Um, let's talk about the backstory. Jack's backstory. Uh, what did you, <laughs> Jack's? Okay, I don't even know what to say about the backstory because Jack Jack has got some issues, man. Uh, what, what do y'all think? Yeah, he's got issues for sure. 
Um, I'll say this about this backstory. This isn't my favorite. This isn't like the insanely entertaining backstory. You know, some of the Jack backstories are very dramatic and, you know, he's trying to save somebody and it, um, you know, there's exciting conclusions. Um, but, uh, this is, I think an important, a very important part of his backstory because we really, this is like the type of backstory when you look at season six and you look at like, what does Jack need? And like his failings as a human being and like, like how lost, you know, to be, uh, you know, pun intended there how lost he really is uh in the type of person he needs to become like this is a very inform uh, informative episode and it is critical because you know the relationship with sarah is so important and this is where you see him fall apart and honestly you could summarize jack in one sentence by saying he's the guy that always has to fix everything. If you had to, if that's the one thing you need to say about Jack, that would be the thing you say. And this is the episode where, you know, Sarah blatantly says pretty much exactly that to him as she leaves him. What do you, what, what do you guys think, Stephen? Do you, do you, do you like this flashback yeah, or? I would say that I honestly think I like this better on rewatch. I, I think I agree with you in that, like looking back on it, this was never one of my favorite Jack flashbacks. Probably thought it was one of the, you know, one of the least interesting flashbacks. But yeah, on rewatch, there was a lot there. I, it was it wasn't action packed, but there was a lot of just good moments. Um, there were some weird moments too. Uh, to me, the conversation about the failed pregnancy test it was it was always odd. It'd be like. I guess they were just showing that the that these two people don't communicate anymore, but that that was just a weird scene. Um, but I, I actually think the first scene was really good. Um, the you know looking back on it um, in the context of the whole series, you know when when uh, Christian tells the Christian of all people tells the old man he's not a candidate. You know, that obviously has some extra meaning, you know, that in season two it didn't have. But, you know, after completing the series, that that has a little bit of meaning. Um, All the the conversation about looking for a miracle, you know, is like, you know, when Christian said, you're not looking for a surgery, you're looking for a miracle. And talking about how Jack performed a miracle on his wife that is some interesting stuff. Um, and, you know, of course the, the Jack and Christian relationship kind of seeing how they didn't come for Christian. They came for Jack. I thought that was a, you know, and how yeah. Christian reacted to that. You know, I, when, when I think about the Sarah storyline as along with Jack, we, we have to remember the last flashback we saw with Sarah was their wedding day. Mm-hmm. And so we see this blissful, happy couple, and then we the next flashback of Jack we get is this one where they're just completely estranged, and we have no idea what's happened in the middle of there. And we hear she's she's leaving him, 
And, 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 and the problem boiled down to the fact that Jack always has an obsession. He has to fix something. And she pointed out, you have to fix something. You feel like you have to fix our marriage. You'll do better here. You feel like you have to fix this guy because nobody else can do it. You, 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 it's just he always has this fix, fixation for something. And because of that, he, he pushed his wife away. Because it, and, and in her mind, she probably thought, so then to you, I was just another problem that you fixed. And that could have been what her mindset was. It wasn't maybe you really didn't love me. It was just I'm a problem that you feel like you had to fix. And now that you're fixed, you're done with me. And, yeah. and so he pushed his wife away, and then he pushed his Kate away. That That's why he – it always struck me as odd as to why he yelled at Kate in this episode. And then I realized when I connected the dots with the last episode that the fact that he's yelling at Kate, he's pushing her away because – she wanted nothing to do with him, and at the same time, he had to fix finding Walt. It's like he had to fix it, and that's why Locke brought the interesting thing. Was you know, Jack, where are you running to now? You know, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But the flashback is definitely not the strongest, but I understand why it was necessary. Yeah, I actually think this flashback, <laughs> though it can be a little boring, it actually has a ton packed into it. And I, I think that one of the down uh, or the, the lacking parts is the, there's not enough um, of Sarah in this flashback. I feel like her story gets kind of shafted here. And like, yeah, OK, the story is about Jack. You know, this is uh, this is uh, he's the main character of the show. Um, he is this is his episode. And and we're, we're supposed we already know he's divorced. So, yeah, they don't need to, like, really dig into the marriage that much. But at the same time, I wish we had a little more um, to see how their marriage got to this point or even just, you know, a little bit of exposition to some discussion between um, Jack and Christian where maybe there's, you know, Christian can, uh, you know, allude to some of their issues. But they do they kind of go for a more show versus tell strategy here. You can just they, they show how Jack is obsessed with this patient and he's there late at night with the the daughter, and he's free. You know, so, so they kind of give us, they hint at the um, obvious dysfunction. I mean, right away, their their relationship is depressingly sad when he gets home, and and she's obviously upset and just leaves to go to the gym right away. But yeah, I, I wish there was a little more development um, to kind of give give us more of an explanation to why she leaves. I mean, they do they do end up just kind of telling us yeah it's because you have to fix everything um but yeah there it seems like there's a little bit of something missing but yeah they have so much they're trying to do they have the scenes with with uh, christian which are great uh just the the simple uh thing where you hear this woman talk about how she read about Jack in a medical journal and this miracle. I like that type of stuff because it kind of grounds the show a little bit. You go, oh, yeah, this isn't just like, obviously, it's a TV show, but it's like, oh, this isn't just a TV episode. If you saved a woman like that from a wreck and performed that sort of surgery, it would go in a medical journal and it would be considered kind of a near, like a miracle type, type event. And so he has this reputation and... I guess the point is even a surgeon like Jack, who um, is in some ways considered nearly a miracle worker worker in a way, you know, this guy's still unhappy and he can't even keep his own marriage intact. So 
uh, as far as like the 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 guy and the and you know the the father and the and the daughter, I never really cared for the scenes with them. But I guess they need to have some build up between them to make the the end believable, where where there's a little bit of a romance there. But frankly, I I you know I could just fast forward the scenes with them. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, and I really liked. I liked Christian in this episode because I felt he brought something to the table that you don't really see because what the last time we see Christian, he's a drunk, you know, and he's, he's completely wrecked his life. So this is obviously taking place before we get to the estrangement of Jack and Christian. And I loved that when, when Jack is in his office with Gabriella and then, Christian knocks on the door, walks in, and just smiles, and she leaves, and the door shuts, and and he brings, and the only thing, the first thing you hear Christian say is, careful. There's a line, and you know where it's at, and you're beginning to blur that line. I mean, the solid wisdom inside that one word, just careful, was just really good in this episode. To me. Yeah, and Jack wants to say, uh, well, you know, you're no saint, so why should I listen to you? But but Christian is actually right about most things he says in this episode. You know, he he's trying to help Jack. He's trying. I think he can tell Jack is is in trouble with his marriage. And, you know, Christian obviously has done the same thing. He's got a whole second family in Australia. But he's trying to help his son out here. Spoiler. And uh, whoops. Ultimately, I mean, I don't know what you guys think about this, but uh, Christian was kind of right about whether to do the surgery because I I, see. I don't really understand the guy's condition, but it seemed like. You know, he could have still lived. I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, Yeah, I think Jack said he could, you know, he could live another year. Oh, okay. I, I think he told the um, the daughter that. So he could live another. Okay, so it wasn't just like a par- uh, paralysis thing, but ultimately the guy dies. So, um, you know, Christian was like kind of right about that, but that was his wish. So it doesn't hurt to try. Um, well, I guess it did hurt, but. Uh. <laughs> well. Well, I, th- I think, too, we, we learn in the future. Um, I forget. I think it's season three. We learn a little bit that Christian and um, but Sarah do have, you know, a bit more communication than we know at this point. So, uh, you know, he is aware of the problems in their marriage, which we find out. Right. You know, in the future and j- another time that Jack doesn't necessarily handle things well, but. We'll we'll deal with that in the future, but um, Christian does know a little bit more of what's going on here than, um, you know, than Jack knows. Uh, absolutely, and I think he's, I think maybe because Christian has seen his own failures, and that's why he's trying to prevent his son from making those same mistakes and having those same failures, and and and, and Jack's just not hearing it. And it comes from all those years of, of the way Christians acted for, for sure. But um, so we have this thing. Obviously, we have, you know, he's mad. He lost 
he lost the old Italian guy on the table, and we see him just banging the locker, in, in, and he's mad. And what what does Christian say? Jack, go home. He says, I need you to go home because you need to be with your wife, number one, because he's trying to protect him his marriage. He's trying to help his marriage. And he genuinely had a good heart for it. He said, go home. He said, Where, where's the daughter? I got to tell the daughter. He said, I already did it. And Jack just, like, lights off. Like, and you could see it in his eyes, man. He just, uh, he loses it. Like, wait a minute, why? Why did you do that? And that's why Christian said, I'm still the chief, chief, was it chief of? Chief, chief of surgery. Surgeon. Or so, yeah, ch- chief of surgery. And that's still my call to make. So, Christian stepped in exactly where he needed to step in. Um, to try He's trying to protect, to protect his son. Absolutely, because he knew his son was crossing that line, and and he knew that his son was gonna he was gonna do something to utterly destroy his marriage with Sarah in this one. Now, albeit Sarah was not right by already going behind his back, anyways, and seeing somebody because that came out after he admitted that he kissed her, and she said, "Well, I've been seeing somebody for a while." So, in essence, even though Jack was pushing her away, who's really at fault though? Too, I mean. Yeah, that that scene at the end with with Sarah to, to me they kind of like they built up this whole episode that you know Jack's Jack's being the bad guy here you know he's making bad bad decisions for you know and his poor wife is here you know taking the, you know the brunt of these bad decisions and then we find out that she's actually been doing the same thing so it's kind of turns out to be a you know, they're both bad guy situations. Yeah, that was kind of brutal. I was I, I was still surprised by that. I forgot that she says she was seeing someone. And because if it weren't for that, you'd think, you know, maybe if Jack didn't kiss this woman, even if Sarah's going to leave for a while, uh, you know, maybe they're just going to be separated and maybe Jack can salvage it. But clearly at that point, they've both uh, cheated on each other and, you know, I would say, you know, Jack, uh, it, though Jack screwed up, uh, it's one thing if someone kisses you and then you, you know, five seconds later, you realize this is wrong, you know, I, um, uh, versus going on a series of dates and like repeatedly blah, blah, blah. Um, right. So. And, uh, and I mean, at least he came clean, though, too. I mean, he, he could have hit it, but he's he, he just and he came clean with her. He said, I, I, I kissed her. He said, I don't know what happened. I just. I got it. it was just in the moment, and and he at least came clean to her. And, I mean, and, she definitely kisses him, and he just—it's like a two-second kiss. It's not like right. he makes out with her, right? So I mean, both but parties, I, in essence, were 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 in fault on this. I mean, it's just—it is what it is. Well, so, yeah, I think I think he does have a guilty conscience because he knows even if it was just one kiss. You know, he knows that he's been, you know, devoting his time to this one. Obviously, he had some feelings for Gabriella. So even if it was just a kiss, it seems like he feels guilty about his part in that. Um, and and he's, he's, go ahead. Uh, I said, he, he seems genuine that, you know, he really wants to do what's needed to, to fix his marriage. I mean, it, it came across pretty genuine there. Yeah, and... But the, I think he also realizes that, you know, this woman kissed me 
not just in a moment of passion, but uh, there's stuff that I have done to lead her to think that I want to be kissed by you. You know, I think he realizes, you know, she didn't just kiss me out of the blue. This is because, uh, you know, there's something in my actions that made her think that this is what I wanted. So, yeah, he feels guilty about it. And finally, he seems like he cares about working on the marriage. But, you know, Sarah goes, okay, well, I mean, if I were her, I would I would think, um, putting all the other cheating stuff besides, I would think, well, now that this guy is dead and you, you don't have a, this current case going on, now you want to uh, give me some attention. But whenever you get the next um, patient, the next... Uh, challenging case it's going to be the same thing you're going to go right back to your obsession with fixing someone else so right um, i do think sarah is extremely harsh in that final scene i mean it's it's hard to watch i, I don't really like watching it um but obviously there's a bunch of stuff we don't see we haven't seen that's happened over the course of you know probably five years or whatever it is believed that she's not pregnant and jack I mean, I will say, Jack, I think dealt with this the right way. You know, he just asks if she wants to talk about it. And uh, he seems a little shook up by that uh, conversation. That that was just a weird scene. I, I, I don't know. I still don't know what to make of that scene. It was just for a married couple to have that conversation. It just it was very odd. Yeah, it, it was. It's almost like. When so it it was as soon as she said, "Hey, just so you know, I was late. I took a few, you know, I I, I took a test." Um, and as soon as he heard that, he just sat up with like an exasperated, like, "Oh my, let's add this onto our rocky marriage." And she 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 knew what he was thinking, and she said, "Don't worry, it came back negative." And he didn't say, he said, well, do you want to talk about it? You know, it's just, I get the scene, but I think the scene was simply put in there just to kind of show how emotionally distant they have become with one another. Yeah, definitely. They, uh, they really lay it on. Um, well, if you guys are good on that, I was going to bring up another married couple. Go for uh, it. Just because it uh, came to my mind. Um, we're talking about marriage and responsibility and it's a very small part of this episode, but it's worth noting the uh, little um, the couple scenes we have with Sun and Jin. Uh, yeah. And I, I really like these. I, this is this is like the beginning of of like golden age of Sun and Jin, like the second half of season two and season three. That's when they're together and happy. You know, she uh, she gets pregnant um, and it's, it's really fun. It's really heartwarming. And they, and then they're separated for like the rest of the series. Uh, it seems like, and they really um, kind of milk the the golden age of this is you know for all all of the the great memories that are built out of this time period. But this is when we really see, and we're seeing Jin uh, fully develop into this this different character that we we love, and it, it's it's awesome to see him want to pack his stuff and go go out after Michael because he's really built a close bond there. And it's an underrated, uh, important bond in this series that started, you know, this is something that uh, a storyline between the, the Quans and Michael that was, you know, starting in episode one. You know, they had some fiery in- interactions to leading to the point where they are uh, really close. 
what do you guys think of uh, um, Suns uh, um, put, putting her foot down here? Well, I kind of I feel like I took the ride with Jen. You know, Jen has changed so much since season one that yeah, I mean, I, I was kind of offended for Jen when she did that. Um, you know, cause like he was wanting to go, you know, help his friend and for her to just, you know, put her foot down and say, no, you can't like, yeah, I, I could, I could see how, you know, he could be kind of upset by that. But then when she brings it back and kind of reminds him that that's, you know, that he had been controlling her for years, it kind of brought me as a viewer back to, oh yeah, that that's who Jen was. You know, he he has changed so much that you forget that that's who Jen was at the start of the series, and then you you do kind of feel for Son. It's like, oh okay, yeah, no, I, I get it now. Right, and I'm kind of glad though that um, that Son really though did finally stand up for herself to him. Um. Because I think I think it was a needful step in her growth too, in her character as well. So, um, I, I, I do I, I do like the hat though on Jen. If we could <laughs> if we could if, see that that should be the screenshot for this episode. Is what it what it should be is the hat that that, that Jen is wearing. Oh, of course, Hurley had to come up and say, "Dude, nice hat." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, so we, 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 let's, let's, so since we're on the island, let's talk about the island. <laughs> do we, do, do we really want to talk about Michael running off to see Walt again? Uh, you know what? I, I, this is so brief, but I love the, the opening. I think this is, I think Michael, uh, Harold, uh, Paranow's acting here is great. It's so intense. And he doesn't actually scream Walt over and over again, so I, I can bear it. Um, <laughs> but no, I, I think that he's so intense here, and I love, uh, you know, the, the gun pointed at Jack and their, their interaction. Of course, he's not really going to shoot Jack, but he threatens to shoot the computer, which is a great, uh, a great move by him. And uh, the planting the little seed of, you don't know what it is. That's, that's not what it, what, what it seems to be. And uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's awesome. So it's a it's a great start to an episode. Sure, it kicks it off. And it's yeah, I didn't realize it's a whole eight episodes before we see Michael again. But yeah, Michael has one of the uh, even though you know people give him um, some flack for being kind of annoying as a as a character in this season. Uh, understandably, at times, his his storyline is um, like immensely important to season two it's kind of the main thread that carries the season along from beginning to end okay and uh, yeah. it really sets up uh, some great uh, moments between jack and Locke because you know jack is angry that Locke let him into the gun safe let him uh do some practice shooting and you know Locke admits that may have been a mistake uh, but Locke is definitely on his own little kick uh, this episode about, uh, you know, giving people choices and free will and and, and whatever it may be. Um, you know, who are we to stop uh, uh, Michael from from going after his son? And it's, it's, I kind of get it. I understand both sides here. Well, Jack, Jack wants to save Michael from getting, you know, 
whatever the crap was going to happen. And and Locke just like, ah, let him, you know, well, see, the reason Locke was really just said, Michael, just go ahead, let him go, is because since he was controlled by the smoke monster, he knew what was going to happen the moment <laughs> that Michael found the others. And uh. he... <laughs> Ah, y'all knew it was gonna come in somewhere in this episode. Oh man! <laughs> no, but, but but you know, Locke is those all about the journey. This place is amazing. You just have to open it up. So that's why his mindset was: Who are we to stop him? You know, let him do what he feels like he needs to do to to get things right. And and that's why he he he, he wanted to let him go. So I love that question you posed to Jack when. When Jack said we got to find him, and Locke, Locke simply said, um, "Oh shoot, it just slipped my mind what he said." He um, said what, what are you? What are we gonna do when we when we when you find him? Didn't he ask him that? Yeah, well, he, he also asked, says, yeah, "Who are we Jack to stop him? Who are right, we he said, to tell him?" But he also looked at Jack and said, "Jack, what are you running to?" Or you know what? He just kind of turned into this philosophy. So we see this this continued rift and then like like you could see it building episode by episode of this rift between the two jack is trying to keep everything in order Locke is like ah just throw caution to win let's just have some faith fun i will see i love this season because you have this lock jack conflict throughout the season but they're also really forced to work together um a lot like even though yeah they they really butt heads in the first few episodes of the season but then basically since then they've been working together in the hatch they've been making decisions together in this episode you know it's pretty cordial for most of the episode they they're going out together on the same team to hunt down uh and you know try to help out michael and it is like any time that they go out on an adventure together and on top of that anytime the the three of those guys you know we're talking about probably three of the most popular characters on the show, um, or mo- at least most important. I don't know. Sometimes Jack falls <laughs> down the list quite a ways, but I still like Jack. Uh, but to have Jack, Locke, and Sawyer together tracking down someone is just awesome. And I think that's why this episode is is a classic for sure. And we get we finally get you know Sawyer's been kind of down and out for the last you know five plus episodes. And I was, I'm, it, it always surprises, surprises me, even though I know I should know what's coming, but I'm like, oh yeah, so, so here's healthy again. And, uh, of course Jack is like, yeah, hey, you don't want to, you shouldn't go. And, uh, you, you, what if, what about your bandages and your whatever this and that? And, uh, Sawyer has one of the best comebacks in the series where he says, good thing I'm traveling with my doctor. <laughs> <laughs> which how do you how do you argue with that logic jack He's like, right, right it's perfect <laughs> logic oh i love i'm so glad to have sawyer back with kate and jack because you know the dynamic between those two is just oh it's so it's so fun it is because Locke even plays like psychologist with 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 sawyer and he says uh when, when sawyer says after you miss mr clean and then <laughs> lock locks says, well what 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 made you want to call me that? 
just, he just goes in and knowing he's like, I know you're real. I said, what made interesting? You picked the name Sawyer. What made you want to pick that? He became this like Freudian psychologist to Sawyer, and Sawyer's just getting aggravated every minute by. It. I just love watching their their interactions. It was great. Is is this the first time we hear? Uh, is well, it's definitely the first time we hear Locke call Sawyer James. Is this the first time we hear that his name is James? No. No, Kate, Kate said yeah. it. Kate okay. figured it out with the with, with the letter back in season one. She realized that it wasn't lit, written to him. He wrote it to the man who was who, who killed his family. That's right. That's what. Well, yeah, I wasn't sure if they actually mentioned uh, his actual name though. But yeah, but of course we know that it's his a fake name but yeah this i love you know now for the rest of the series uh Locke will only call him james which is it always sounds cool it's like he's uh i always feel like Locke and uh sawyer talking to each other it's kind of like a jedi master talking to his padawan he's trying to to get oh, him yeah. down the right path <laughs> yeah there's oh, some yeah. good moments i love the mr clean you know we're, we're getting the full force of sawyer back He's uh he's wheeling and dealing with the nicknames. He's throwing out freckles like no one's business. And hey, we got uh, yeah, it's great. This well, I got I got to say one of my favorite parts of of this season is Sawyer's con- continued desire for revenge on you know Mister Friendly for uh, taking Walt. I really love how that plays out through that whole season, and this is one of the main episodes for that 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 he really is still you know hell-bent on getting revenge for for taking walt yeah and getting shot too um and getting shot but i I do think it's more about the fact that they took walt i agree i agree jack i think kind of unfairly says oh is this because they shot you like no it's because they took walt and it's because the whole thing they blew up the raft it's it's uh of course he wants to get back at them and I think it's an inter- interesting exchange when when uh, when he asks him, why are you out here? And then Sawyer throws it right back to to him. Like, what are you doing out here? Like, are you really just wanting to save Michael? I mean, what, what are you going to do when we get him? And it, it goes right back to the flashback where yeah, Jack, he just needs to fix things, even though he doesn't necessarily have an end game. And I don't know what. Jack's endgame is for a lot of the stuff in this episode. Though I think Jack is in. I don't want to. I don't want to say that he is being selfish. I think Jack is is totally in. He has the right intentions here. He's trying to help out Michael. For all they know, Michael's going to roll up to them with a bunch of guns and get shot right away. So Jack is kind of right here because ultimately it was smarter for them to find a way to when they to where they could bargain with uh, with the others which they eventually try to do um, somewhat successfully. Uh, you know, it could have, it would have worked out better, uh, but, you know, we'll get to that eventually. Yeah. So uh, what do you guys think of uh, Mr. Friendly? Because I have to say, the more I watch Lost and in the later seasons too, just like Mr. Friendly is awesome. Or uh, <laughs> they just call, do they just call him Tom here? Or no, they don't call him anything. We, Right. Um, they don't I don't I don't think they call him anything. I think the only thing that ever comes out is Sawyer calls him Zeke. Yeah. And, and that's that, that's it. And 
man, uh, I, I've mentioned a few times I had a friend that I, I got him and his uh, girlfriend to watch through the whole series, uh, like just the last, basically during the pandemic here. And they were, they became obsessed and they'd never seen it at all. And so it's been so fun to discuss everything with them. And especially this guy, he's, you know, he's complete, he's going in, you know, dark on everything. And that was, this is one of the things he said to me several times. He's like, oh, Mr. He always calls him like Mr. Mr. Nice. I'm like, no, Mr. Friendly. <laughs> uh, and he's like, that guy was awesome. I love that guy. He's like, I, he's like, I hate Ben. I mean, he hates Ben because Ben is a bad dude. But he's like, I wish they would have kept Mr. Friendly around because he was, a, he was more interesting because he's like bad, but he's also like, there's also this other side to him where he doesn't feel, he doesn't seem as evil as Ben Linus. Uh, which is which is probably true, but not he getting likes to, to play Ben. Football. He does. He does. He, <laughs> him and Jack enjoy a nice uh, game of catch. Uh, and yeah, we'll, I mean, we'll talk about it in season three. But I, I look back and I and I kind of regret that uh, he gets killed off because it would have been interesting to see him stick around and be part of the dynamic. Uh, yeah. But to go on back to what Stephen was saying about uh, Sawyer wanting to get revenge. Yeah, from the the moment he they uh, get taken off the raft or the raft gets blown up, he is hell bent on getting revenge, and you know that's why he eventually will shoot him and say that's for taking the kid off the raft. But but going back to the present time in season two, uh, I mean, what a scene! What an amazing scene! This I think this was this is definitely one of those mind blowing scenes when you watch the show. Like what the heck is happening? You have the people, you know, light them up, and they're they're all around. And uh, Sawyer gets sh- shot in the neck, grazed. He just can't catch. He just can't catch a break, man. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. So I mean, who's? But before we even talk, go more into that. Who was right? Was was uh, was Locke right that they should have before they you know, encounter the others moments later, they were discussing whether they should go back or keep following him. Do you think Locke is right here that, hey, Michael clearly doesn't want to be found. He wants to go find his son. What, you know, who are we to stop him? This is, you know, let the, <laughs> let the island business carry out. I, I think Locke made a lot of good points there, and I certainly see where he's coming from. I, I think I... It was always a little bit bothered by the fact that he didn't seem more motivated to get Walt back. Because other than Michael, you know, Locke had probably the closest relationship with Walt of anyone on the island. And I don't get that impression that, like, that that's his top priority is getting, you know, Walt back. And I always, I always felt like he should probably have that should have been a bigger priority for him. Yeah, that well, is, that is true. Well, I, I, so I can see your point, Steven. My, my only thing is I, I, I lean more toward where Locke is. Locke probably didn't want to go after Walt and Michael because he probably thought number one, let the Island T teach him something because that did, it did for him. And, and Locke saw Jack's utter compulsion to always fix something. And that's what was driving. So when they went after him, Jack just had this compulsion. I've got to fix him some, something, even if it means I got to go out and say, save this guy, I'll go do it. 
you know, the only doctor on the island, and yet he's got to be the one to go do it because he's got this compulsion. He has to fix it. He's got to bring Michael back. And and Locke looks at him and says, he in, in essence, Locke is saying he's a grown man. He made the decision himself. Let him go get. Let, let him go find his son. Yeah, and you got three guys with um, um, five, six, you know, five guns between them. Michael's got a couple guns. Uh, the others, you know, most likely have a lot of guns. They, I mean, clearly they do. But as far as Jack knows, they probably have some. Um, or as far as Locke knows, you know, you're just you're asking for someone to get killed by all these people running out there, and and I think Locke knows that and. Um, I don't think Locke knows what the heck is going to happen. I, yeah, I would. I'm interested to know if there's going to be a scene because I definitely don't remember it. But if if there's ever a scene where uh, Locke has a discussion with with anyone, but especially Michael about Walt, because yeah, that was such a critical relationship in season one that really they don't um, follow up on as much. Uh, you know, because Locke just becomes uh, basically engrossed with the hatch and whether it's real or not. And him and Mr. Echo um, really kind of go off on their own, um, their own version of man of science, man of faith. Uh, and, you know, we eventually get Locke and, and uh, uh, Walt uh, reunited seasons later for a brief scene. But, yeah, their relationship well, is a definitely a casualty of, of the whole uh, growth I- spurt. Well, I think they may have had more intentions for Locke to get on a different level with Walt, but the the, the problem came because Locke and Walt did have this connection on the island, but the problem came that when Malcolm Kelly got too old really quickly, they had to write him off the show, so they kind of had to divert Locke's attention out to the hatch instead of Walt. And, um, but I, th- I would have loved to see that, that dynamic really build itself up in later seasons. It just never happened. Um, so we have this fire talk and pretty much during this fire talk, um, he looks, you know, Mr. Friendly looks at, looks at Locke and says, Hey, why don't you b- build us a fire? We got a lot to talk about. And it generally comes down to look, we, this is our Island. We could have killed you when we wanted to. We're choosing to let you live here. There's no, there's no, you're surviving. It's just, we're choosing to let you live here. And because we're choosing to let you live here, you're going to have to follow our rules. And the rule is don't cross this line. And Jack being Jack is like, well, what if we don't want to follow these rules? <laughs> it, it just, because that's Jack. And Mr. Friendly says, Alex, bring her out. And Alex brings out Kate. Another Kate mention is, of Alex. Yeah. No, no, we get we do we get the mention of Alex, and but I don't think it clicks. The only one who actually knew was Saeed, and Saeed wasn't there. Um, well, it doesn't it doesn't click with them, but it definitely does with the audience. Right, the audience is like, yeah, because oh, we know because Hurley Hurley spills the beans, of course. Right, and as soon as Jack sees Kate's face, man, he's like. Dang it, because Jack had the upper hand for a second inside that conversation. But the moment Kate gets brought out, they lost. Yeah, what was um, what is Jack's end game here? Is he basically just saying, hey, we've got guns, you got guns like, you know, we're not going to give them up. We're going to we'll back out of here. Guns pointed at you if we have to. Or I wasn't really sure what his his plan was. 
I mean, I guess you could say he's got Mr. Friendly right there in front of him. He could pull, you know, point the gun at him, and that gives him uh, some leverage. It was what was what was he going to do if Kate wasn't, you know, a prisoner? Is is my question. I really don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I feel like he was trying to. I don't know if you'd call it negotiate, but he was trying to figure out a way to get Michael and Walt back. Yeah, um, yeah. Not just walk away, but yeah, I think I think maybe. Yeah, obviously we'll never know, but I think you're I think you're right, and I think he did have some ground to negotiate on, given that they had you know five guns in there. Um, yeah, of course they did shoot you know Sawyer in the neck, but. Yeah, if Jack points the gun at Mr. Friendly and they shoot again, he could pull the trigger. So I think I think he does have some negotiating power. And of course, as soon as Kate uh, is revealed to be uh, their little hostage, he loses all that. So it's such an intense moment. I think this scene holds up so well as far as like this, like the whole series mythology, because occasionally we'll see some things with the others where you're like, okay, that seems a little off compared to what we. see later in the series but but this whole like the line is here like we're gonna let you live but we can't we're not gonna kill all of you um and it's fun i don't know if you guys ever nerd out on the on the uh fan version of the uh maps of the island there's you know cool graphics where it's like this is the line uh you know you have like the south side of the island is is where the the uh our survivor uh 815 survivors are and and I think where they are now, I think this is going to be close to where they find the balloon because I think uh, Saeed goes out um, and uh, that's where they find. Uh, well, after they, they after Rousseau gets Henry Gale. But anyways, well, I think this this scene is so great because it really does um, connect a lot of the pieces and everything that happens in this. None of it uh, later gets compromised by some continuity thing. It, it really um, is one of those great other moments. Yeah, I think what you said earlier about just how likable Mr. You know, Mr. Friendly was, and I I mean, I think most of that comes from this scene. Um, he, he's really the first other we've learned much from. You know, we learned a little bit from, from Goodwin. Uh, we didn't learn anything from Ethan other than that, you know, he was a good killer but you know this is really the first time we're talking to the others we're having a a reciprocal conversation with the others and as a viewer i mean that this was huge you know info and yeah obviously he he did a great job in that scene i mean the act the actor's really good and the the light them up moment We'll, we'll, you know, everybody enjoyed that. So everything about that scene was was really great. I agree. I think it was one of the better scenes um, in in the show, and it's one of the most memorable scenes in the show. That you're just that that when I when I think of loss, I think of like I forgot that that was actually in the hunting party. So when the episode started, I'm like in my mind, I'm thinking, ooh, ooh, this is the episode where we get where we get Mr. Friendly and we get the opportunity to, to, to see this fireside chat with one another. So I, I really, I really enjoy that. And, um, in this episode, so 
they end up concluding they drop down their guns um they get kate jack is still just mad as could be at kate um that that she got caught she won't he, he he won't he won't talk to her part of it's because of the of the kiss and walk away and everything else like that. So we kind of wrap up that storyline for right now. And then until he gets back to the Island, we'll talk about Charlie and Hurley here in a second, but we get to back to the Island and it's like immediately who does Jack go to find Ana Lucia and Ana Lucia, you know, says, well, I'm playing with the dog because that's the only one, you know, in a way that, 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 that'll speak to me, but it's progress. And he pretty much, probes her and says hey um how long do you think it'll take to uh build us an army like jack is like i don't understand what shifted in jack's mindset he 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 automatically was like okay now let's go after these people let's go kill them i'm like what the crap happened in jack's mind that made him flip that switch well to me it's like now he knows what they're up against you know before you know the the others were these mysterious people that you know, infiltrated their camp and kidnapped some of the tailies. But this is the first time they've real he really has had an understanding of, you know, who these people are. But and does he? They've taken. I mean, and he knows that they've taken Walt, and you know, they may or may not have Michael at this point. You know, they say Michael won't find us, but so I mean, I like the fact that Jack reacted this way. As a viewer, I always, you know, this gets you excited thinking about, you know, uh, we have so many characters that you would like to see team up. And it's like, how formidable could they be, you know, if you got Saeed alongside Mr. Echo going after, you know, these these others. So, I mean, I think as a viewer, that's kind of an exciting proposition of, you know, we're going to go to war with these others. And I mean, it doesn't exactly go that way, but I, I think as a viewer, I, I enjoyed that ending there. Well, th- this is a interesting reflection on this. Is, this is, this is not modern society here. This is like being in the wild. This is like two. This is um, like nation. Lord of the flies. This is like Lord of the flies. And, and uh, you know, Jack's trying to build a sovereign nation here. And what do you need? If you're a sovereign nation, you need to be able to defend yourself. So, uh, he feels like after that interaction, we are um, up against, uh, we're outmatched, and we need to be ready to defend ourselves. Because uh, I mean, th- things did not go well um, at at the end of season one. You know, the Exodus episode. Uh, they they survived. They were okay, but they clearly were not ready. Had the others really attacked them. Um, instead, the others were attacking them on the boat. And so he thinks they need to be be ready. Now, a lot of people will point to this. I think we should mention this. A lot of people will point to this as one of the largest loose ends or like false teases or whatever, because, yeah, I think it's a fantastic end to an episode. And I, and I actually don't have this criticism that, that people have, uh, but I think it's worth mentioning. People will say like, hey, they, they say this whole thing about Jack and, and Lucia's army. And then, like, the, literally nothing happens from it. I kind of disagree that, yeah, I mean, there there isn't an actual army that get, gets built. But it's more of the idea that they need to try to build something to defend 
defend themselves or be able to attack and get, uh, you know, Michael and Walt back. But, you, you know, people will criticize that. But ultimately, the reason I think it doesn't come to fruition is because I think in a few episodes, we're going to have the long con and, you know, the guns. There's so many other camp issues that happen that get in the way of an army being created. <laughs> Yeah, well, like people it, stealing babies is, and going standing by the ocean. <laughs> that that kind of stuff happens. Yes. There there is a scene later this season, I forget what episode, but where Locke mentions to Jack, you know, that that you know, you're training an army and you didn't talk to me about it. And I know it's in part of their conversation about Henry Gale, but to me that that line from Locke later on kind of indicates that something does happen from this. They, they don't really show it, but there is at least conversations being had amongst, you know, the, the survivors about, you know, forming an army. So whether or not it actually happens, if I feel like there's more to it than just this conversation. Yeah. And I, yeah, so I think it's a little bit of an unfair criticism. And I actually do think that we have some moments where I can't remember exactly what episode, but and Lucia is talking to some random, you know, like log carrying people. You know, the, the people they're building, getting for this army are not our main cast. You know, Sawyer, he's not going to be an army. Would that guy follow orders? Um, of course, not Hurley, not Sun and Jin. Um, the majority of the main cast, they're not the people that would be in an army. Of course, it would be like the, the nameless, faceless log carrying folks that uh, would be more fit to be <laughs> soldiers. <laughs> If you don't start your recruitment with Saeed, you're doing something wrong. So I, I hope they at right. least talk That's to Saeed. A, of so, course, yeah. <laughs> Saeed's a one-man army. He's he's the, he's the only one I'd say for sure he's in the army. So do you, so all right. So we're about fifty-two days into the, on the island. Okay, that that came up during this episode. Jack said about fifty days we've been on the island. Do you think the moment Jack finally realized we're not getting rescued was around the campfire? Like, we're going to have to learn to live here. Or do you think it was earlier than this episode? Like, do you think that was the pivotal moment when Mr. Frehley came out and said, we're letting you live here. Here's the line. On his way back, he's like, we're not going to get rescued. We have to learn to live here. And in order to do that, we have to take over this people. I think it's really fair to say that this could be that moment. I can't think of another moment. I, I mean, I can think of some other moments where, you know, like going to the caves. And th there's a few moments where, you know, they're, they're preparing for the long term. But I think this is another turning point where Jack is like, yeah, we we need to be ready to to really accept that we could be here a long time. We're in we can't just hold out. Uh, and 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 wait for someone to come pick us up. You know, this isn't uh, this isn't Dunkirk, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's no boats coming to take <laughs> us away to the to England. So, uh, but but no, yeah, Jack does go one route for a while uh, to a certain point where he gets so fed up with it. Um, sometime next season, where he's like, no, we need to get get the heck off this island because. Yeah, he, he does go into this, uh, let's just survive, and we're going to live here for quite a while. Yeah. So, all right, so we pretty much talked about the episode. Um, we Just a couple of, like, spitfire things we probably didn't mention. Uh, we can mention real quick. Um, 
Hurley's got a thing for Libby, and Charlie's all hung up on Claire still, and was not like it when she sees Locke with Claire, or he sees Locke with Claire, and when he asks Hurley, do you think Claire um, has thinking about me, or I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, and, Charlie, and Hurley says, dude, it's only been a day. <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of a it's a funny scene, but I mean, where the what they did with the Charlie character this season? I mean, it's, Hurley is sitting there trying to talk to him about you know his interest, you know, about whether he thinks he has a shot with Libby, and Charlie just isn't paying a lick of attention. I mean, Charlie, no. Charlie is all about his and Claire's relationship and you know the Hurley Charlie friendship is always you know looked back upon fondly because there's so many good moments to come out of it but Charlie was oftentimes just not a real good friend to Hurley <laughs> like it that, that was a that was a hard scene for for Hurley he, you know even though it was kind of played as a laugh well I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll defend Charlie a little bit and I think he actually seems a lot more likable in this scene than he does in a lot of other scenes, especially in the previous episode and in, and in the the next episode or next few episodes, actually, I think is what I mean to say. Um, yeah, he, I do like the moments where Charlie is kind of funny talking about other things. Cause it takes my mind off of the, uh, the over dramatic, uh, back and forth with, uh, uh, him and Claire and John and, and all that. So, it's good when there's just like kind of like side character Charlie who's a little more fun. But you're right. He, he even in this episode, even in the scene, he's kind of annoying about uh, you know with his friend lack of friendship. <laughs> One thing I do, I think Lost does really well. Um, I love how they kind of have a story going on in the background. Like I don't remember it being this obvious what was happening this episode, but you know, once Jack tells Kate, she can't go. And then, and then we know that Kate ends up going that you, sometimes you don't think about the fact that Kate went to, you know, he, he told her the reason she couldn't go is cause she had to watch the button. So what does she do? She goes and recruits Hurley. So we see Kate talking to Hurley and then Hurley goes and has a funny moment with Jen and the hat. But really what this is, is telling the story of how, Kate ends up following them and it all kind of happens in the background. And, you know, then we end up having Hurley in the hatch taking care of the button with Charlie and all of that kind of, you know, leads Kate to be, be able to follow, you know, the hunting party to go get Michael. And I just, I really enjoy how lost kind of does that subtly in the background. Yeah. I also think season two, does a really good job of trying to have um, most of the characters in every episode, even though we don't really get, uh, we don't get echo or Libby in this one, but for the most part, uh, I, you know, most of the main cast make an appearance. I think that's true of the majority of season two. Of course we do get a few, you know, episodes that are more specific to certain characters, but there's a, there's a distinct effort to have everybody be at least, a, even Saeed. I mean, his scene is like completely worthless. There's no point to <laughs> Saeed's moment, really, besides just explaining some of this exposition. But they put him in there, and I think that's important. A lot of the complaints about season three, especially when people were watching it live on TV, was that, oh, but we haven't seen John Locke for five, six episodes. He's supposed to be one of the main characters, or, or vice versa about right. other characters. 
Right. So, yeah, I think, you know, I just I really appreciate uh, I know we've said it many times, but I really appreciate this this season. And I think it's so underappreciated. And this is one of those uh, really good episodes that um, stands out to me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's kind of uh, settle down our discussion here a little bit and kind of wrap toward the end uh, with an in memoriam session. Uh, this time I don't really have a uh, name, <laughs> but we're just going to call him in memoriam to the old Italian guy. Yeah, you ruined Jack's marriage, but uh, you died trying. <laughs> Say, was it worth it? <laughs> oh, anyway, but uh, but sorry to see you go. But next episode we have some um, other interesting um, in, in memoriam to Charlie's pride. Next episode. <laughs> Oh, yes. Oh, but let's talk about overall thoughts on the episode. Steven, give me uh, 15 to maybe 16 thoughts or thoughts, seconds on uh, your overall thoughts of this episode. Why would be here a while if we all did that for everybody? (laughs) What you got? All right. Well, I I really thought this was an enjoyable episode. A lot of action. Really enjoyed getting to finally have a conversation with the others. The backstory had its up and ups and downs. So to me, the backstory was the weaker part of this episode, but but not bad. I, I would say uh, the on island stuff was awesome. Um, pretty pretty good episode. All right, what about you, Corey? Yeah, I I, I would call this. I've already said it uh, multiple times, but this is a lost classic, and this is a great look into the others. Uh, we get. Uh, uh, Locke, Jack, and Sawyer together out in the jungle. It's awesome. It's a good episode. The flashback is the weaker part, but like we said, at least this is a uh, important flashback. Like it may, it's not as entertaining, but at least it's substantial. At least it has an important, um, um, you know, part or, or important reflection on on Jack versus some of the flashbacks that you're like, hey, that didn't even that told me things I already knew anyways. I, that was, we, we didn't need that. This one, it does give us uh, some really important um, um, story pe- uh, beats for uh, the the tale of Jack Shepard. So, yeah, overall, really good episode. Uh, and I'm kind of along those lines. I, um, I, I, I thought it was a good episode. I thought it was a good backstory as far as what we needed. It was an essential backstory. There were some things that still just didn't make sense as why we did it. You know, like the Sarah, oh, I've been mean, sleep or cheating on you for months now and, and that kind of thing. But I think the Mr. Friendly introduction really uh, beefed things up. And uh, also the um, uh, the rift between Jack and Locke was really extraordinary in this episode. And I think it was needed. Um so but that was my thoughts so uh all right so i think we're getting now it's time to rate the episode the, we're gonna do uh one to 23 crazy campfire guests and mike how what would you give this episode uh i give this one 18 out of 23 um it wasn't a terrible uh, episode it wasn't the greatest episode but um but I give it about an 18 out of 23. So, all right. And Corey, how about you? And uh, I'm not sure if I missed this, but uh, to clarify, we're, we're rating this out of one, one to 23 crazy campfire guests. Crazy campfire <laughs> yeah. guests. 
Um, I think uh, I think I'm the high man today. I'm going to give this a 21 out of 23 crazy campfire guests. I I would love for Mister Friendly just to walk up on my campfire while I'm camping. Evening, <laughs> boys. <laughs> you see, there's a line here. You cross that, you're in my campsite. Oh, that's funny. You come into the campsite, leave your shoes on. Oh, that's funny. That's good. Ooh. All right. All right what about you, Steven? And I gave this one a 20 out of 23 crazy campfire guests. Um, yeah, good, good episode. All right. So to end us, some, some things out here. Um, Sawyer's name dictionary. Uh, I, I kind of added one there. I don't know if that's a real nickname or if it's if that counts. Uh, I I think it would be. I think it'd be okay. Uh, add a nickname. I think Zeke is to. Uh, we know him as Mister Friendly right now. Cause his his name Zeke. is definitely not Zeke, so I would I would call that a nickname. That's right. That is a nickname. I tried to do uh, research on that, and there's there's nothing. They just said Sawyer just made up this name. That there's no significance to it. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, but he did call Locke, died Daniel Boone, and Mister Clean. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Uh, Mr. Clean uh, has to be one of the best. <laughs> just it, put it, an earring on and hold a mop. You look just like him. <laughs> it, oh, I loved it. That was good. Oh, and then Kate throws a banana at Sawyer and says, there are nicer ways to, to wake a man up, Freckles. <laughs> uh, and he called it's so Freckles. good to have Sawyer back at full strength. It is so good to have him back and not just mumbling. I love her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a line, by the way, that we didn't talk about. But uh, but but Jack th- threw down the gauntlet on his face. Oh, don't worry. We know what you'd say. You love her. And he's like, wait a minute. What'd you say? <laughs> and just completely dropped <laughs> the conversation. Oh, that was good. Uh, he did call her Freckle one more time. So now we are up to nine in the Freckle count. All right. Nice. So some pop culture connections. Uh, the Hunting Party. The, the title of this episode is reference to the western of the same name, starring Oliver Reed and Gene Hackman, greatest Lex Luthor ever. Ching ching. The two share little in common in terms of plot. Uh, Daniel Boone. Sawyer calls Lot Daniel Boone after the American pioneer and hunter whose frontier exploits made him one of the folk first folk heroes of the United States. Um, Sawyer also calls him Mr. Clean. Mr. Clean is a mascot brand name of a popular cleaning product. He is a muscular, tanned, bald man who cleans things very well. (laughs) Exactly the comment right there we needed to hear. Uh, The Wizard of Oz was mentioned. Sawyer calls Tom Zeke after the Kansas farmhand who also represented the cowardly line in this movie. There you go. I guess there is an answer. I I tried to Google it uh, while we were on the podcast here quietly, and I didn't get anything, but... Apparently, you already had the answer. <laughs> Boom! No, Lostpedia had the answer, not me. By the way, oh, Lostpedia nice. gave, us, gave us a follow on uh, Instagram. Just saying, guys. Yeah, they did. We're, we're, we're popular now. And, and uh, Crackpot Jack, too. The man there you go. I mean, I mean we're, 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 we're pretty popular now. We're there. We're there. Uh, fall on me in the Swan Hurley and Charlie listen to this song by the Bosette Dart Band, and the one where, Sawyer, where Saeed walks in and is like, this song is depressing. <laughs> I just love that line. Oh, JFK assassination when Jack, Locke, and Sawyer hear the gunfight ahead of them and then find the shell casings left behind. They find only three, yet claim to have heard seven 
shots fired. This reference to the Warren Commission of the John F. Kennedy assassination will include that three shots were fired and three shells were found in the book depository, even though more are audible of video evidence of the event. You know, World I War II. I don't know if I don't know if that was is, is a stretch, but if so, that is a that's a darn that's good a pop culture connection there. Like, dang, yeah, <laughs> it's a heck of a stretch and a good stretch for me. So, um, and let's see, um, World War Two. Tom is using a Luger P08 or or P08 pistol, with which is notorious for its uses by the Nazis during World War Two. So we kind of have our first kind of ding toward uh, military in this show. Uh, and then Curiosity Killed the Cat. You know the other one about Curiosity, don't you, Jack? Asked Tom. He's referring to his famous proverb, or the famous proverb, using warn against being too inquisitive, lest one becomes to harm. The earliest printed reference to the origin of this proverb is attributed to an English playwright, Ben Johnson, in his, in his 1598 play, Every Man in His Humor. Yeah, I I guess well, is this like post Middle Ages? No, Middle Ages were earlier. That's more like the 1400s. But <laughs> you gotta have a sense of humor, uh, I guess, uh, in the 15 1500s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so for our next episode, we are going to be talking about fire plus water. Uh, interesting to have a, a plus symbol as part of the title, and uh, that's not the only thing interesting about this episode because. Um, yeah, we've been referencing this episode for much of the podcast uh, run uh, uh, series so far. We've been talking about how this uh, is one of the low points. Um, We'll find out if that's really true, because even though this is widely considered uh, a bad episode, I don't know if it's as bad as it is hard to watch. Like, there's things about this you look at and you're like, there is a story here beginning, middle to end. But I just think it's very difficult to watch uh, a character um, be so foolish. So I actually think it's going to be a really interesting uh, discussion next week. So looking forward to that. Yeah, this is this episode for Fire and Fire Plus Water is one of those polarizing episodes. Um, it's one of those controversial episodes in the show. Uh, uh, from what I've understood for the last few years, this is the one episode that um, it either makes or breaks somebody continuing to watch the show or not. Like this episode caused people to I say I'm done with the show or I'm going to continue with the show. So yeah, there's some cool stuff. This is definitely kind of the peak of the visions and some of the crazy island stuff. And, you know, we get a lot of teases of that stuff, like Kate seeing a horse. But in this next episode, yeah, uh, Charlie is full on hallucinating. And frankly, I always thought he was actually doing drugs. I originally thought that, but that's not the case, really. But it's just a it's a very weird episode. And on top of that, Charlie is is such a complete jerk that it just makes it hard to watch, even though I don't yeah. think it's as bad as like actual story wise and plot. I actually don't think it's that bad. I just think it's it's cringy. So, oh, yeah. Looking forward uh, to that. Absolutely. I think we, we already covered our uh, social media and all that stuff, right? We sure did. We sure did. Well, Corey, you have anything to say then before we uh, close the 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 blast doors here and 
try to protect no, ourselves I... from the outside world. <laughs> I would just say make sure you get some good sleep and uh, um, do not steal any babies, please, people. Get, get some sleep <laughs> and don't steal babies. <laughs> great. That's great, solid advice, let me tell you. Uh, Steven, what about you, man? You got anything else before we head out? No, I don't think so. You know, I, I always say that the best episode or the worst episodes of Lost is better than about anything else on the TV. Well, I think next week, uh, next week we will put that theory to the test. <laughs> yes. yes, we will. I, I will say, and this is a little nugget fact about me that people may not know, is that that episode was where I first got my first email. That was not my college email. <laughs> But I got my first email address with that one. I don't have that email anymore, so if you email it, it's not going to mean he's going to answer. Uh, but my first email address when it was not my college email was fireinwater at gmail.com. Wow. Interesting. So you were a big fan of this episode. <laughs> well, Another layer. So revealed. another layer of mystery to it. But – uh. But you can email that person. I don't know who they are now, but it's definitely not me. <laughs> so, like, hey, do you want to be a guest on the podcast? <laughs> you want to be a guest on the podcast? <laughs> oh, I've never seen that show. We just gave you a shout out, man. You ought to come. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, listen, it's been great. And uh, until next time, everybody, stay safe. And we'll catch you next time on the island. So, peace out, everybody. All right, peace out. 